and welcome to the Glacially Musical podcast. It is Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, joined by the leader of the pack, the man that always has the jack, Keenan Ivory Chakas. How are we doing today, buddy? What's up? Uh, that, don't, don't do that. Okay, so we're going to start the show off. Oh, I'm sorry, beer, metal, swearing. So we'll get the beer started. What you got today? I have a special beer for a special occasion. Not just because every week is special with you, which it is. Oh, I have I have a Lord of the Rings to celebrate Lord of the Rings 20th anniversary. Peter Jackson, I love you. Lord of the Rings Hobbit Hoppy Wheat Ale. Okay, one made, fuck Lord of the Rings. Made I by said it. Horrible. You are horrible. Brewed by Moylan Brewing Company of Novato, California. I don't know where the fuck that is, but the beer, I'm very excited for it. Okay, two. I'll open it now. Uh, have you watched its 20th anniversary, the number one trilly? Have you watched Fellowship of the Rings this week? I have not been able to, no. I hate Lord of the Rings, and I did because my wife loves it. And three... You deserve to have a wife that loves it after your blasphemy, sir. Three... Go ahead with your three. I thought the special day was happy birthday, Nick. Yes, I'm sorry. I thought that was tomorrow, though. It is tomorrow, but we're not recording right. tomorrow. Okay. okay. Uh, Happy birthday. You are clearly one of my favorite people ever. And I, I only know you a short myriad of time, a short period of time and a myriad of things we've gone through together. And I'm grateful for you. And I'm happy you evacuated your mom's vagina. And I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Okay. That got <clears throat> weird real quick. So I'm only going to remember parts of that. I'm going to have to drink extra hard tonight. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate our friendship very much. Love you to death and cannot wait to see you in what is now just a month and a half. But uh, this evening, <clears throat> I am putting back a pint of Founders Brewing Four Giants IPA, uh, Imperial <clears throat> Pale Ale, it's about nine and a half percent, because if you need anything in nine and a half percent, you need 16 ounces of it. And then if I get through this and feel like uh, feeling froggy and I still need to jump, I'm gonna go ahead and grab another one. I forgot the name of it. I bought a new beer for the evening. And I don't remember the goddamn name. So there we go. Uh, so we got, uh, okay, so I'm now going by because I've decided to do that thing Keefe said to make me not sound so terrible of to be professional. Oh, crap. I didn't turn that off. Shit. Okay, this is not working. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Well, you're fixing yourself. I'll mention that this beer is delicious. I haven't uh, slept in two days. I'm stressed out, but I'm happy. Okay, so we got greeting. We did beer check, vinyl check. What you got? Oh, what do I got? I, let's see. I received in the mail my Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett vinyl. Very excited. Okay. okay. I love Tony Bennett. Would you like an anecdote now or never? Go ahead. So some years ago. I think I a was, podcast is it was basically all anecdotes. Kind of. <laughs> what if it was all non sequiturs? I um you mean what if it was every week <laughs> with us I uh some years ago uh my folks you know passed on and I inherited all their crap and stuff good and not good and one of the things I inherited my my parents were lovers of music it's kind of where I get my love of music from they had an incredible collection of 45s and I lost them all and among them were like 30 original mint condition Tony Bennett 45s from his whole life. And they probably were thousands of fucking dollars right now. I don't even want to look. 
I would I checked one once and they were like, you could probably get a couple of grand for this one that wasn't even like a song you would know if I told you the name. So I'm it's not a mad about the money. I'm mad it's more about the sentimental value, but I love we're we're dealing with something similar right now, actually. We can't find my father-in-law's records. Oh no. We can only find one box of them and there's way more. Mm. Uh Anthony DiBenedetto is a treasure. And I do love Gaga and she's wonderful and much more talented than she's given credit for. I am actually really excited to try to go see House of Gucci if it's still playing because apparently she's amazing and she's a, quite a good actress too. Um, but so I got Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett. I received my Vince Guaraldi, Charlie Brown Christmas. I think I said that last week though. Not sure. And what else did I get something else in the mail? Um, I don't think so, but on a positive note, I am really starting to now kind of plow through my collection of unlistened to stuff since I got the turntable only recently. So I listened to a bunch of records and then I swapped them out. I put those away and pull out another batch and I listened to that batch. So I've picked out my listening for the next bunch of days and I'm really excited about it. I cannot even imagine having a pile of them that I'd never listened to that I actually wanted and not just the crap I bought at the thrift shop when I didn't have any goddamn money and wanted to have records on the shelf. But mm. uh, also the Four Giants Imperial IPA. Uh, this is my third time having it and I still have not decided what I think of it. Interesting. What about it is perplexing you, my friend? It, it's, it, it's an Imperial IPA that is very hot forward minus the malt backbone. The malt backbone is what makes me really love an IPA. It gives it that warmth. It gives it that smoothness where you get that strong, hot punch to the teeth and then you get the warm huggies down into the belly. This doesn't have that, but it's it, it almost tastes a little hop and malt forward, which is a little perplexing. Uh, I still got 12 ounces of it to go and I'll, I'll keep working on it. Uh, my vinyl check, the first thing I'm going to say is I filled up my box at Duncan's house. So my first box of English records is coming. Uh, the and ones so that, do you. In so many ways. Uh, it is my, the first record that was purchased in the box is David Lee Roth's A Little Is Not Ain't Enough. In America, that thing starts at 50 bucks. In England, it starts at five pounds. God, God bless you and keep you England. But then you got to pay 30 pounds to ship it. <clears throat> unless you do what I did. Uh, exactly. Uh, then I've got uh, Van Halen OU812. Same. Not worth, not worth having, but okay. For three pounds? I guess. I mean, I, I didn't buy it for 20 bucks when I had it in my hand at the thrift shop, but I got it for three pounds. I, I do like that. I like the, I like where your head is at. I appreciate it. Well, I'm shooting for the records that are harder to find in America and cheaper in England because they never stopped pressing vinyl over there like we did. So That's true. Maybe we can get that King's X record collection going better. Uh, I haven't even looked into King's X in the British pounds. I got to do that. I actually got a couple of dudes at work that I'm trying to get them jumping in on this too so I can get it going quicker. But it, the, only, the thing is, is it's five records. Five records is the sweet spot. Because if you know the dude shipping it, it only costs 15 bucks to ship five records. So you add that to the three or four dollars you spent to ship it to begin with. 
now you've got the shipping down to six bucks, which is nearly the same price as domestic. I like it. <clears throat> uh, I got a 12 inch single of uh, the BC Boys. She's on it. Awesome. Eternal. Um, epic. I figured it was only a it was only a pound ninety five. So I thought, okay, That's well, nuts. whatever. I got to fill this box anyways. I feel like the BCs are less popular in the rest of the whole world. It's not true, but I just feel like they're less popular in Europe than they are in America. Uh, that, that's because they're such an American thing. They are. And they're unabashedly American. I mean, they are the complete, they are the melting pot. And then I finished off the box <clears throat> with a double record set of When the Madcap Laughs. And yes. Barrett. So wow. I, uh, I found a English compilation of the two. As you may or may not recall, I have Piper at the Gates of Dawn and Saucer <laughs> Full of Secrets in a set called A Nice Pair. They did the same thing around the same time with the two Barrett records. I got that for 13 pounds, which just for the record, a pound is a buck and a quarter. So I bought both Barrett records for 18 pounds shipped in England, which is like $22. And it's only going to cost $5 to ship it over with the other four. That's crazy. So I feel like I have really unlocked a thing here. And I'm very proud of myself. Everybody needs to acquire an English friend to be able to have many or English people need to start selling this service take a 10% commission and you're still going to be way ahead. Uh, But with the purchase of the two Barrett records, I am now down to missing only Rick Wright's Z and David Gilmore's um, rattle that lock for Pink Floyd solo vinyl. So I am one record away from the entire Pink Floyd studio collection and every live album, but one. Here, and here's a Pink Floyd update. Maybe we need a, an occasional Pink Floyd update. Did you know? Did you know? Last week, Pink Floyd just randomly put out a ton of bootleg live records and streaming. No, like I don't do streaming. All their 60s and 70s uh sort of secret live records they've put out in different formats over the years they were mostly bootlegs they put their own versions out everywhere digital then they announced this week you will either love this or hate this a brand new version of pulse coming this spring a deluxe remaster repackage incredible vinyl version of pulse with the flashy lights from 19-whatever-the-fuck with the flashy light on the CD spine except on the vinyl packaging. Holy crap. Didn't didn't they just do... They just did. You know how I know they just did it? Because you own it. Yes, that's the one you I have. It. I Don't you it. Feel, do you feel mad or happy? Does it have an extra disc? Are we doing a five-disc set? It's got some stuff in it that's not, like never seen before seen re- rehearsals and rehearsals and and some people like that shit i don't know i I don't like that shit so it's it doesn't it's not like a not like when they did delicate sound of thunder when they added a whole another disc to it they might be adding more to it i don't know 
Well, I'm not buying it. I mean, I spent a hundred bucks on the first one. I I know this. And I spent a hundred bucks on Dave Gilmore live in Pompeii. That is worth having. It is worth having. If it's I mean, actually as good as a Pink Floyd live record, almost. It, it, it's that it, good. It really is. It's almost as good as Rogers <clears throat> Us and Them. Okay. But I think I, Us and I Them is the best Pink Floyd and related live album, period. That's Alrighty. The, that's my that's, opinion. Okay. But, uh, and then I also bought today the Victory Motel Sessions by King Mud. King Ooh. Mud is, of course, uh, Freddie from Left Lane Cruiser and Van from Black Diamond Heavies. Apparently, they recorded in a motel, because why not? Uh, I saw a guy on... Saw a guy on Twitter uh, posting that he was playing it on his radio show today, and I'm like, shit, I never bought that. So, bought it today. Waiting for that to show up. And that is, I don't think I went out and got anything at a store last week. I checked by Facebook, and I didn't see anything. So, that is it for the vinyl check. Do you ever ever forget what you have and buy it again? No, not anymore. I almost did today. We do have, I think, about six copies of Cheryl King Tapestry. Well, that's worth having multiple. No, it is. It's I, I, it's awful. Um, He's wonderful. I hate that stuff. Anyway, not the point. It, I'm talking about you know mischievous boy crap. But yeah, we bought it like four or five times at thrift shops, forgetting that we had it. But no, I use Discogs. I use the Discog site for many for as much as I do purchasing. I use it for insurance purposes because I have pushing 900 records now and some of them are quite valuable not to brag it just it is what it is and also to make sure i don't buy the same things over and over again because uh maybe i think oh i did buy a couple eurythmics records twice not realizing that i had them Uh, don't mess with a missionary man uh, i bought an elton john greatest hits that i didn't know my wife had the expanded version of it's like a 70s greatest hits she had the two the two disc set i bought the one disc set not realizing mm. it i mean we're not talking like significant money for any of these things it's not like i dropped not even ten dollars on any of them so uh but let's see what are we talking about this week we are going to do a double <coughs> down double dip episode because keefe was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be in the same city as metallica and he went to both of the 40th anniversary shows at the Chase Center. And I took a look at the set list and I was actually rather impressed for many reasons. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. There's no telling how long that's going to go. And then after that, we're going to do a certain number of best albums from the 90s. we got to see how long it takes to get to that point. And then we'll determine the number accordingly. So that way I'm willing to go long this week. Because this is the New Year's Eve episode or my birthday episode, however you want to, however you want to see it. Um, By the time you've listened to this, I've already turned 46 and possibly contemplated um, suicide tourism due to my age. But, you know, you never know. We'll see. Probably not. Probably not. I'm doing pretty well. Um, But uh, yeah, so when you hear this, when this drops, it'll drop the day before new year's eve so it really drops on new year's eve and we may go a little long because why not uh as it is the day before my birthday and i am a child and a baby man at heart i must stay up till midnight so i still have four hours 
probably should not be drinking beer. Probably should be drinking coffee because I'm this fucking is, old. My body hurts so much from this last week and weekend. You have no fucking idea. Um, Why also, do you think I leave concerts early now? I I exited both shows during the final song. There was no encore on either of these shows. We'll get to that though. That's weird. And, uh, weird for them. They always yeah. do an encore, but they. I think there was a particular vibe among them. We'll talk about why they wanted to differ these shows from the thirty to forty, and why I don't think they will do the fifty. By the way, uh, I think they'll be around for fifty. They will not do a fifty show. You do? I don't think. I, do I think Metallica will be around for ten more years? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Huh. Okay. In some it's, form, they may be playing less, but they're gonna play. They're gonna play. Well, they There's barely play. Of, Comparatively, they barely play now. Well, let's it's the pandemic. I think coming in. No, I mean they only play 50 shows a year now. It's a yeah, a little bit more, a little bit less, but they're playing less. I think uh I mean, you know, we were joking before the weekend. I had met some friends at Bender's Bar in San Francisco, pretty cool rock and metal bar. And some friends of mine are in town from New York, music industry people, former senior editor of Ghost Cult, who's out of the business now, the editor of Metal Insider, my dear friend Zane, uh, Metal Mark was the former Ghost Cult member, uh, my friend uh, Rodrigo, who shoots for Metal Injection, he's incredible. Um, one of my last shows before the pandemic was standing next to him for Opeth at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, just a foot away from Michael Ackerfeld. It, it took insane. 20 minutes to get the Opeth <laughs> drop. Well, here's the thing I was about to say. Remember, after we did four episodes on Metallica and a few episodes in Maiden, and we were like comparing Maiden to Metallica. And then we were like, let's not mention Metallica for a long time. And then we were incapable of not mentioning Metallica for a long time. And now we're doing another Metallica half episode because Metallica <laughs> everything. Metallica I mean, everything. It's, it's a Metallica Our listeners world. are going to go Metallica! It's a Metallica anymore. world, and we're just living in it. Just living in it, bro. And paying large sums of money to James Hetfield in order to be able to do it. Indeed. So the night before, we were talking about the 30th. There were many celebrity guests in town for the show just hanging out with them. And we were like, will we get another Yankee Stadium Big Four, or Am I Evil? Will we get the 30th anniversary where they just rotate and guess? Will we get a Jason Newstead? Will we get a Ron McGovney? Will we get a David Mustaine? We did not get any of them. Some of them were in the house, though. Kerry King, Scott Ian, Dave Mustaine, they were around, apparently. There was rumors that Ozzy was going to come in and do a song with Metallica, or they were going to do a Metallica song or a Black Sabbath song. Ozzy has not Would it have been before. Symptom of the Universe? <laughs> I doubt it, but like, you know, Metallica that was the one like. that was the one they always played at Soundcheck when they were on tour with him in the right. hopes that he would come sing that one with them. Yeah. And you can, it's one of the greatest riffs ever. Uh, I don't, I think if Ozzy's going to come out of retirement or semi retirement from the road to do a one off and it's not an award show. No, he just, has a tour coming up. He's got one more. He has well, no more tours. To, is not 2023 no now. What? 20, probably 2023 now. By He's going to die before that happens. Don't say that, please. Don't. I can't. No, I can't. No. I never recovered from Lemmy. I I'm don't think sorry. I can live in a world without Ozzy. Please stop. Ozzy is um, not going to be able to I know. tour. In, I mean, what? him no. touring in 2020 was a little squiffy to begin with. Right. 
Uh, or or the layoff is going to do wonders for his voice and mental state, and the rest of his body will get in good enough shape to come out on the road. We'll find out one way or another. I, I, he really misses the road. I hope he gets to. So the night before the show, we were like, who's going to come out? What are they going to play? What do you want to hear? And we were talking about Deep Cuts, Fixer, and House the Jack built, and it reminded me of our podcast because it was like people were throwing out things, and I was like, I want more deep cuts from the old days. I want nobody wants the house the Jack built though. Somebody did. I wanted fight fire with fire and trapped under ice. I wanted, you know, not so many black album songs, and some of my wishes did come true. And um, I still didn't get Damage Incorporated. That's the elusive one. I've never um, heard that one live. They played it this year, but they haven't. They didn't play it at the four times I've seen them. Shockingly, um, but anyway, one of my favorites well, too. By the way, I had I had bought a, a set of tickets as well as some other Metallica-related tickets for the weekend. Thursday night was also in addition to my hangs with New York people and music industry people and metal people. Uh, they had the block party, which by the time I showed up, it was over. I don't know. It was supposed to run from five p.m. to ten at night. And it, there was no sign of it when I got there. It was just Metallica fans. Nothing was happening. So I don't know what caused them to either pull the plug or not do it fully. But that was the only dud of the whole weekend. And that's mm -hmm. fine because I spent time with my friends. Um, you know, honestly, that stuff does not really do anything for me. I know, but I was like hoping things, they had merch or whatever. Right. But th that's what those things are. They're a thinly veiled uh, pop-up shop. And it which I'm fine with. Listen, they did that when Metallica dropped Hardwired and launched the Hardwired Worldwired tour. They did a series of pop-up shops around the country. And yeah, we did had one, one here. They did one in the West Village, the very swanky uh, Soho neighborhood of oh. New York City, where you can rent a $10,000 storefront that's empty and put up a pop-up shop, which they did. Uh, my very dear friend and fellow metal blocker, Ken Pierce of Piercing Metal has a great video on his YouTube you should check out, which has the pop-up shop, you know, video. Great I, job by him. I did not go to the pop-up here because uh, what I wanted was the triple vinyl of Live at Webster Hall. And we didn't have any money back then. That was, it was when it's elusive now, yeah. No, I have it. I, I bought it oh, when I got a bonus. Yeah. I got I got I got, uh, you don't have to take it out, I believe you. I got snubbed for that show, so it's always- No, I'm not getting up, so I'm not. I'm the not, the pain of that of that loss hurts me, but I did see the the 500 people show this year on my birthday and got the set list, and it was incredible. <sighs> so actually, I will say this. This is really interesting in hindsight. Keithy's flexing hard on these little shows. I'm, well, I mean, like, we're going to talk fine. about it. You, you've I moved earned to San it. Francisco. Flex. Flex. I moved to San Francisco, and Opportunity Knocks, and I listened. And open the door. I will say that a lot of the setlist Friday night is the setlist from my birthday. It's very close. The same setlist. I almost like that was their warm up for trying out these songs I hadn't done in a long time. So real um, quick, we haven't actually talked about how we're going to do this. Let's go th when we get to the setlist. And I apologize. This is an off air conversation that we're having on air because I'm awful. Because it's every every show we do. Go ahead. Right, correct. That, that's It's our thing. Let's each one, because they, you'll expl allow you to explain what the set list is. Yeah, and then no worries. No. when we get to that point, we'll go through mm -hmm. it and we'll each decide what we mentioned, what we would have rather right. heard. 
Oh, okay. I uh, Friday night there will be very little because I love That's Friday fine. night. That's, That's incredible. Fine. Saturday, Sunday, not so much. Uh, but mostly great. Um, I will say that again, they had a whole weekend planned, and my original plan was to bring a close friend of mine. We applied to try to cover it. No one responded. Uh, you know, we're just not that big a website yet, and I, you know, they didn't have probably even that many people in it for just a handful. But um, you know. Uh, I would imagine the people that got that show were the AP, NPR. Yeah, I mean, Metal Injection. Well, Metal Injection, Ross Halfin, you know. Who oh, their you? best friend, Rolling, Ross. Rolling, Rolling Stone. Right. Whoever. And it's and just Ghost Cult's not. We're good, but we're cool, but we're not at that level. But that's fine. Uh, excuse me. I am on a photo on, on Metallica's Instagram right now. You can kind of see me at the Metallica Film Festival with my mask on, but you can definitely see that it's me. Um, and uh, another time I was photographed by their social media guy and I did the Cliff Burton double fist move, even though I don't have the rings. So uh, we'll see if that shows up anywhere sometime. Because he was like, oh, we're going to use everything. Trust me, it's Metallica. I was like, we're um, <clears throat> We just dumped them onto a thing and they all go. So... You know, they had a whole weekend of events planned. This block party Thursday, concerts all week with the sons of Metallica. Caster, Hetfield, James's son. Caster, Hetfield plays in Bastardane. That's his band. Uh, Otto is the band led by Robert Trujillo Santai, who is currently on tour with Suicidal Tendencies and also has played with Korn in the last year quite a bit. He's only 17. His thrash band is Otto. And then Lars's two sons, Miles and Lane, named for Lane Staley, have a band called Taipei Houston, which is kind of like a royal blood, but a little more metal-y kind of band. And they're all quite good. I got to say, for the scions of Metallica, they're all quite good. Um, they're all quite good at their thing. I really do think Ty Trujillo is like a superstar dude waiting to happen. And he's probably going to be in his own band for a long time. It's just a question of if he ends up being the bass player in somebody else's band, like uh, Mike Portnoy's son, or is he going to just be in his own band and take off by himself? We'll find out. Um, it's so interesting Metall to point out that most people, there, there have been like almost no one who have been like second generation rock stars. We had Wilson Phillips and we had Nelson. And that's all I can name. Uh, Ringo's son. George Harrison's son. Um, I think we're using the, the phrase a little loose there. I don't know. I mean, rock star. I mean, stars or just made it? Made I it. Mean, stars. I mean, I'm about Ringo, actually... I mean, George Harrison's son played on stage at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Prince and Tom Petty. Uh, he's pretty much made it. Uh, nice. Hey, kitty cat. You know, Ringo's son is a famous drummer. Phil Collins' son is the drummer of Genesis right now. So yes, there there have been some second gens, but it's it's rare. It's not like sporting events. But anyway, moving on. Let's get to the show. Let's get to the show. So a whole weekend of Metallica things. Um, what would they do? That was the major question. What would they do? I had planned the weekend. To, I was going to go Friday, not go Sunday. Go to the wedding band after the show on Friday, which is Kirk Hammett's cover band. I'll talk about that a little bit. Go to the movie fest on Saturday. Try to do the book gallery, the Ross Halford gallery. Couldn't do the book signing, sold out. And then, you know, 
call it a day and recuperate on Sunday, which I did do some of. But then I ended up going on Sunday. Friday night, <clears throat> I meet my good friend and show buddy, Lori. We go for a drink. We have a beer at the Eagle in my neighborhood in San Francisco, in the Soma neighborhood of San Francisco. Um, and then we Uber over to the Chase Center. I have never been. It is the relatively brand new arena, two years old, opened by Metallica as the premier debut event. Um, they opened the arena for SM2. That's the very first gig that was ever in the Chase Center. And then the, God, what a great show that was. The dubs played in that, they play in that building, concerts are held in that building. Never been. It's in kind of the ass end of town. Um, and you know, the baseball park on the water is also there that the Giants play in. I don't know who the corporate sponsor is now. Um, but um, yeah, so um, we roll to the arena. There's merch all outside, like actual official merch stands outside because Metallica. Um, I did get an, I did not need to buy two Metallica shirts in 2021, let alone see them four times. But I saw them four times and I bought the commemorative shirt for the secret show and I bought a shirt for the 40th anniversary. I wanted the pin for my battle vest or a new battle vest I'm working on, but the pins are all gone and I don't wear rings or other jewelry. Um, so no other merch for me, just the very expensive 40th anniversary shirt in my size. You can see it on me in the Ghost Cult Weekly Ritual this week or last week, if you're listening to this. Um, the venue is enormous and beautiful. It's very, you know, it's actually, you know, my history in New York City is going to places like the Madison Square Garden and the Meadowlands, formerly the Brendan Byrne Arena or whatever the fuck it's called now. There's a ice hockey rink in Newark that has concerts and the New Jersey Devils. Um, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, which I have been to many times in my last few years in Brooklyn and New York, has uh, Nets basketball concerts and sometimes hockey. So Chase Center about 16,000, 17,000 seats, which is usually, in my experience, smaller than your old time arenas. But now they're, I guess, they're putting in more seats in the boxes mm -hmm. to compensate. They, so it's a lot more. When, when our arena opened in 94, it held 20,005. Now it holds 19,1. Right. So actually, it's probably Center, less than that now. We get in pretty quickly through the VAX line. No one was allowed in the show unless you were vaccinated, which made me feel good. Um, and, uh, we got pretty in, in pretty quickly, uh, tickets on my phone to deter scalpers, especially because Metallica has been involved with scalpers and scalping, uh, complicit a, bit. a lot bit like all big bands, but they also, they really went out of their way to try to make this hard for scalping bots and scalping people to get tickets. Um, and they did when it kind of by a lottery. When I was growing up, you know, I, I always wondered, you know, why is scalping uh, illegal, blah, blah, blah. And now that I see what's happened, and it's become a cottage industry and basically we're all getting fucked. So, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, like I said, we, I'll, I'll say this. I appreciate Live Nation. They have been an advertiser on Ghost Call through one medium or another. However, at the same time, the people who control the monopoly on ticketing 
should not own the venues and the advertising for those venues. I think that's really nefarious. But anyway, so Chase Center, not a bad seat in the house. It's gorgeous. It's huge. I don't do $18 garbage beers. I don't do $50 glasses of, you know, whiskey or tequila. I don't do a $19 hot dog because I'm starving because I went to the show hungry like an idiot. So I I do was already I was already pretty lubed up. I had a pretty bad day of work. I worked a 10-hour day, by the way, before going to Natalica. I worked a 10-hour day on like almost no sleep. I was hammered. I was starting to drink at like four o'clock PM Pacific. I was already hammered by the time I got to the bar for one more beer. Um got an Uber, went to the show. It's very steep, this, the Chase Center. It's very steep. So you, you go around a little bit like the Guggenheim like a couple of levels of round and then up, up, up. So we got up the stairs. The Guggenheim. We are going real fancy. Yeah. Well, I'm from New York. So that's what we do. Let's, you know. Um, so we get to our seats and we're high up and only, uh, you know, they're playing kind of in the round, but it's really a square on a diagonal. And so as long as you have visual, you have visibility of three corners of the four. And anybody playing in the far, far corner is kind of cut off because there's big video screens that kind of encroach into the sight lines. However, with all the videos and video screens and the overload of sensory things going on in the arena, you really didn't feel like you missed much. And so sometimes James or Kirk or someone would be in that far corner and you just kind of see their feet and hear them, but you didn't feel like you were lacking. Um, the opening, no opening act is a band, but they had a DJ Lord from Public Enemy and also formerly of Prophets of Rage as a DJ. And they had comedian and uh, radio personality, Dean Del Rey, who is a Bay Area person, who is a metal fan, hyping up the crowd, which was great. He is funny as fuck. And he also has a show sometimes on Gimme Metal, which I have also hosted a show on. So terrific. You would be a good host on there. Um, I was going to say, why haven't they done me? Well, I can put you in touch. Anyway. Um, Stevie knows people. I do know people. Um, so, you know, we're waiting for them to go on. And there's a little, they come out and kind of greet the crowd. And, you know, hey, great to be here. Thank you for sharing this with us. This is going to be really special. You have no idea what we have in store. Again, at this point, anything could happen. So there's you know, DJ Lord and Dean Del Rey get off. They clear off the turntables and they start showing this intro video of the history of Metallica. And every time you think you've seen every single piece of history from the band, you are wowed by some other archival shit that they have up their sleeve hiding somewhere that you have never seen before. And of course, you want to see the you know, day on the green, hi, say hi to Cliff, hi Cliff. You wanna all see those classic things. You wanna see the classic photos. You wanna see the Metallica house in El Cerrito. You wanna see Mustaine, you wanna see the videos. You wanna see Cliff, you wanna see McGovney. You wanna see, you wanna see it. But they always have new stuff. So they have this whole big montage video to open. And then they, their opening intro music for a while has been my favorite ACDC song of all time. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Super apropos for this band. Very. Especially as they get older. And then the typical Metallica opener, the Ecstasy of Gold comes on. 
with a brand new video opening, and the video is has a narration for the first. Normally, they show. I don't know if you're a fan of spaghetti westerns or the big, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And any of my crawl name? No, I'm a fan uh, of the first Saw movies they stole from. I got you. Cool, Ron. Excellent. Seven Samurai. Excellent. Um, so Sergio Leone, good, the bad, and the ugly. There's always this scene that they play that this music comes from. <coughs> Metallica has recorded a version of this. They did it on SNM. But now they have a brand new opening movie montage with narration from none other than huge metal fan, handsome guy, and superhero cartoon comic book actor Jason Momoa of Game of Thrones, Dune, and other things. He Wait, loves. He was metal. in Game of Thrones. I didn't know that. He's in the first season of Game of Thrones. We um, never watched Game of Thrones for reasons really that I won't go into. No problem. Um, but his voice, he's got a deep bassy voice. And Metallica, for 40 years, have been the band that has blah, blah, blah. He was at the final Slayer show, like singing with Pantera and Slayer. So, uh, you know, not too shabby. Or sorry, Phil and some own Slayer. But um, not too shabby. And he lo- he's friends with Anthrax and things like that. So he does his voiceover. Super dramatic. The whole crowd is going nuts. And then the band comes on. And here's what they did. And now I will talk about the whole weekend for a second. What could they What could they do? They did the 30th anniversary week of shows in 2011, 10 years ago. Many, 30 years of the Black Album in 2021. 10 years since the Big Four at Yankee Stadium and the Big Four shows, more or less 10 or 11 years. 30 years since the Russia concert. So many firsts, so many majors in Metallica's life. What could they do to ring in for it? And it turns out, I think, after the experience of playing those sort of all-star, star-studded shows in 2011, they wanted to kind of just cowboy up and play by, play them by themselves as they are now in these shows and do a career-spanning set list both nights touching on each album what that is a beautiful beer is that another one of those beers you've been drinking or a new beer? no this is the rad venture ipa by saga tuck brewing never had it decided to buy a new beer at the store today for the just for tonight that's great man i wish i i wish we were drinking the enter night pilsner or the black oh, whiskey. oh oh i've never had the black and whiskey but the enter night pilsner is fuck terrible I is it? I had the black. I had the blackened whiskey on my birthday. It is not a shot whiskey. It is a sipping whiskey. I, I like did one. Whiskeys. I did one of it as a shot, like an idiot, and it killed me. And then I sipped another one, and uh, it was worth the money. And then I was wrecked. Um, so Metallica comes out. There's a, a tape intro that is a little unfamiliar. But the chord and the tuning is familiar. And they open with hit the lights. So they set the tone immediately. And I mean, like, I've seen them play the Black Album already this year. I saw them do some deep cut old school stuff already this year in a couple of instances. What could they do? Could they do all of Kill Em All? Were they going to do the whole Black Album again? I'm glad they did. I love this approach. This is brilliant shit. They open with Hit the Lights. As I texted you or messaged you, anything pre-1991, anything tuned to standard E, anything old school, 
with a you know the old James vocals, it's a little hard for him to you know hit these notes. A lot hard for him. And he's not adjusting with age, and he's not tuned. They're not tuning down too much, and they are tuned down, but they're not tuned down enough. And he is definitely straining to hit high notes that he probably doesn't have to, but he's choosing to try. And I I love the effort. It's an A for effort, man. Um, we're gonna get into the part of the show now where. I would like to discuss each song, the selection. Yeah. And Hit the Light's great. But the problem I have with that, this, this is me. I'm cynical. I wasn't there. So I don't have the, oh my God, kind of thing. It would have been better to have, say, Phantom Lord. Missed opportunity to do a song they have barely done in a long time, Phantom Lord. Rather than uh, hit, hit the, the lights, lights. They, they've done it a little more frequently, but not it's, that much, by the way. It's on like all of their most recent live albums. Yeah, but they don't have a recent live album except like from five years ago, six years ago. It's not on SM, it's not on you know, or Garla or Guelos. Is that the most recent one? The Mexico City, no, through the never. Or, uh, that's like seven, eight years ago, buddy. I'm getting ago. old and time is moving quick. Uh, time means nothing in the pandemic pandemic era. Um, I'm going to say counterpoint. I love hit the lights and it was exciting. I, to I see. do. And it, you know what? It makes perfect sense when you think about it because it is the first song Metallica ever wrote. It is, And yes, it is the first song. So it it in, does make sense to start that. Okay. Downey, California written by James and Lars and the, you garage. know what? I, I remove my objection. You can, I, I want you to object to all of these because people are going to like laugh at you and me going back and forth on, you know, uh, all right, fine. Fuck, hit the lights. There you go. Okay. Number two, my favorite Metallica song of all time, and to which at the final notes rang out. I got up from my seat and I was like, good night, and walked away. Now, Creeping Death, number two. Uh, I listened to Ride the Lightning today as my, my wind down when I got home record in order to warm up for this. And I love Creeping Death, I, it's a great song, but. It would have been cooler had we done something. And they, I know what the next one is. Maybe Escape. Maybe. You hate Escape. I do. But you know what? I would rather hear a song I've not heard at every show I've been to. That's Even true. if it's well, not one of my true. favorites. In fairness to them, I would say conservatively, only a third of the entire weekend songs are stuff they play all the time, which for them is a lot. I That's just want to hear a show. I want to go for the first time in my life. I want to go to a show where of a career band, not, you know, a club band or, you know, three album band or whatever. Love those guys to death. But I'm talking about a big show. I want to go to one big show where they play an entire set list of songs. I've never heard them play. I was thinking we were going to get like weird deep cuts and unplugged and weird shit. And maybe even I was like, what's to stop them from bringing a string section on stage and doing a mini S&M right now? Nothing. They're Metallica. Don't, don't do that. Um, anything is possible. So Creeping Death, Flawless. And now the tone is set. They have now done Kill Em All and Creeping Death. It was rumored that they might do a set list, a career spanning set list, a little bit from each album. And then could affirm with the next two the direction they were going. I know you're not a big fan of this song. It's discussed on the Glacial Musical podcast. However, to hear Trapped Under Ice live, 
See, I would have loved time, that. Would have loved for the it. first time live since June of 2012 to play Trapped Under Ice. Now, James struggled to hit the notes because it's very high. In the early James, it was hard for James in the 84 to hit it. It was harder for him in 21, 2021 to hit it. However, a lot, of, a lot of people forget that when Metallica started, James tried to sing like Rob Halford. Yes. Definitely. And they're still poorly. I mean, very poorly. There is still a residue on those first couple albums of it. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's a, it's a residue. It, it's, it's not all the way there. But the fact that they played Trapped Under Ice, a song I don't much care for. I don't much care for Trapped Under Ice. But it, but it was cool to hear it. I would have I would have been jumping out of my seat going, oh, my God, a song from before Metallica found their voice. And to, to play a song before you find your voice in front in a, in a, in a, in a in an arena setting, that's ballsy. That's amazing. And that's why I love Metallica. There you go. Also, also Metallica did this cool thing where at every seat. They had these little bracelets with light-up LEDs that would flash in time to the riffs and beats of the song. I know it sounds corny, but it it's, looked awesome. It's and, corny, but it, I mean, it, it's. It, I think that would be great for like a third of the show, maybe not the whole show. Yeah, not every song, not every song, but the okay, first fair, few fair. songs, and then sporadically later on. All right, fair, fair. Um, and I'll point out when it did because it took me a minute to figure out how to get mine to work uh, okay. and put it on and shit. Uh, so now, Hit the Lights, Creeping Death, Trapped Under Ice. You have never seen a Metallica show with that opening three, maybe ever, and certainly not in 35 years. Uh, number four, cementing the tone of the evening and the direction of the set list for the night, Welcome Home Sanitarium, the full version, which they never play anymore. It would have been better. Uh, Damage Inc. or Lover Messiah. I agree. Or Disposable Ooh, the that should not be, I've oh. seen them do the thing that should not be incredibly live. I think I've seen that. I think I saw and that. It's also, the, I think that yeah. was on the Reload Tour. I could be it's wrong. It's also a really good song for, for Lars. By the way, just some performance notes. So James crushing it on guitar, struggling a little on the vocals early with the older songs, but, you know, he worked his way into shape. Great front man, greatest front man, actually. Kirk has been very sloppy in every one of these shows I've seen. I don't know if it's just his mode mentally or just as where he's at in his life he's just not that guy that used to be mr perfection shred guy he did play great but i'm just saying like he's a little wild he's a little loose and loosey-goosey now i like metallica loosey-goosey though that is my preference my favorite metallica records are my favorite because of the loosey of the loosey-goosiness the garage records lulu they're all very loose it's not that perfection of justice of the black album of everything since then and i like it when they're a little bit off i like drunk metallica better than sober metallica fair enough unfortunately sober metallica is the only way we're going to keep metallica well and i mean sober metallica is the only way they're not gonna you know die next week so i mean i get it right rob and and so yeah to continue on rob is rob and rob is great Although my friend that I hung out with Thursday night went on a tirade about why he hates Rob and wants Jason back and still doesn't like Rob and never accepted Rob. I'm like, Rob has been in the band the longest now of any other player. You can't just doesn't that doesn't matter because he's been on the less the least recorded output. I know. No, that's not his fault. I take that back. No, he's been on more recorded output than Cliff. Yeah. That's crazy. But it is crazy. But you know, Cliff did three albums of 
abject classics in and two then he years. Died. Yeah. And then he dropped dead. Right. Then he dropped dead. And I, killed. I, I don't hate the fact that Jason's not there anymore. I, I would prefer Jason to Trujillo, but I have no issues with Trujillo. Yeah, yeah. No. Rob, you know, Rob Trujillo, is excellent. Trujillo's been on, in my humble opinion, three great albums. I love everything he's done, including Lulu. I'm a big Lulu fan. Nobody else is, and that's fine. I don't care. Horrible. But fuck you. Moving on. Fuck Lulu. Uh, um I want to. I'm. I'm getting to my point though, which is sorry. that you know who is the star of the weekend? Rob, Lars. Lars what? is the fucking star. As Nick almost chokes on his beer. You Lars can't say that when I'm taking a sip. Was the star of the weekend? He was great. Now I know that he is cheating, and what he does is he doesn't. We discussed this ad infinitum in a previous series of podcasts. He kind of stops playing sometimes he'll he like stop partially and sort of play but i'm gonna tell you he was exceptional this weekend live if you get the job done you get the job done if we can have a (laughs) one-arm tremor and deaf leopard lars can play some triggers whatever i don't care there you go um so so hit the lights creeping death trapped under ice welcome home now you know they're going forward in time a little bit at a time now really here, gr- like a really great feeling. Agreed. And and here's where they make a mistake, in my opinion. Orion. Oh gosh. Well, first it's of all, it was on pre- all their live records. It's preceded by. I don't think this is going to end up being a live record. I think I'm going to tell you why. Later. My, no, that's not my point. It, my point is your average person listens to the live album more than they see them. So my perspective is warped. I guess, so, man. You, you like you had to be there. It was epic. They I'm not saying thing. it's bad. I'm just Orion saying... is typically Rob Trujillo's bass solo a little bit, and then I they know. either finish it off and they don't play the whole thing ever. They started just... playing the whole thing in 2021. They played. They played a beautiful tribute video to Cliff before. Yeah, just give me Damage Inc. Give me Leper Messiah. Give me. The I Pope know, Pope. but Orion is. It was humongous, dude. It was humongous. They, they played two excited. songs off Puppets that they've been playing frequently lately all right that's my complaint but not master of puppets at this show no so like if you're gonna pick two out of the whole album and you pick welcome home and orion i know i would rather have some other deeper cuts but those are objectively incredible songs and they were played incredibly agreed 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 now moving on we get to what i would consider to be a bomb drop and an amazing choice with the shortest straw they Freaking crushed the shortest they, straw, including Lars. They didn't play shortest straw on the Justice Tour. Yes, they have barely played this song historically. Barely. Um, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I want to hear personally. And the whole place roared, and James roared. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. I I was like, oh, now I kind of want to hear more injustice stuff. I didn't actually like prepping for the show. I only listened to Kill 'Em All, Ride, Master, and Garage Inc. of uh, Garage Days, and I did not listen to anything more forward than Injustice. <laughs> actually, because I'm so I've heard so much. You know, I'm like, oh, they're gonna play Injustice for All. They're always gonna play one, and maybe Blackened, and they're always gonna play. You know, you know I heard to be clear album. when he says when Keithy says Garage Days, he means garage days re-revisited yes sir yes sir thank you for always correcting me I i'm it. i'm pedantic as fuck you are pedantic one pedant you are pedantic 
tick 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 tock anyway nice hate that song hate that song love that hate that whole album number seven as expected the full shebang a bang of one including moving on including the opening including the flashbangs and nothing there is nothing wrong with that song it's an amazing song however it is a standard so i feel we can move on okay sad but true we're, we've gone into the Black Album, so we've now eight songs into the set list, and now we're into the show. Sabatru, and they are on, they are on to the Black Album. Shabbatrue, every show they play it. Every I will show. say, I will say, they have, they're using these incredible videos for each song now. Um, and the Shabbatrue video imagery is mind-blowingly good. It really... Uh, Probably better than the song connotates madness it doesn't but anyway number nine could have lived without it to me i love sabotage and i can live without hearing nothing else matters like ever again in my life but okay as duncan would say bog standard every show every live album every everything yeah my my dear friend uh fahad the guitarist of my band salted wounds that was one of his wedding march songs and it was wonderful at the time but uh i'm i'm all set I know many babies have been birthed to this song and created to this song. I'm sick. That, that's Enough. great. Yeah, I'm tired of it. Uh, moving on, we get to King Nothing. Good song. Like that song. Right. Been- We're on to Load. Yeah, And load. I will say that I will, I will preface this by saying they spent a particular amount of attention on Load and Reload on these shows that surprised even me. I would not have chosen to play six or seven songs from Load and Reload combined over the weekend. I would have not. Well, me hey, personally. We've only got two tracks here, but one of them is long. Yeah, so King Nothing, fun, excellent, good stuff. Heard it it a thousand times. Now we go. Holy shit, dude, Fixer. They have never played all of Fixer live. They played a little bit of it before, like a jam for two minutes. Mm -hmm. They played the entire thing, and James joked afterwards. You can tell we never played that one, right? Because it's hard to do. You know, James fumbled a little vocally, but generally speaking, Fixer was one of those things. Was like, can they just play Fixer? We were talking about it the night before this show. They played it. They had a special visual for it that was like a motif of the reload of the load and reload album artwork, kind of come to life a little bit on the screens. Lars killed it. Kirk killed it. Rob killed it. Everybody was just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this!" I was getting text messages, "Dude, Fixer." Fixer with a thousand X's, like what the flying fudge. It was amazing. See, and that's what I love about the show. Metallica is one of the few bands in this world that can really bust out shit from all eras, and they do. And, you know, back in the day, like the load and reload days, they played one set list forever. As the way Kirk put it in an interview, we want to be fair to every city. Like when I um when I saw them on the Hardwired tour, they played Blackened after they saw us. I would have loved that. I didn't get it, so that's not fair to me. But it is what it is. Now, if if you don't mind, I'm gonna bust out the next couple of tracks here quickly. Go for it. <laughs> uh, Bread fan, love that song. One of my absolute favorite Metallica covers. We've all heard that. It's it's we've all heard that quite a bit. They haven't played in a long time though. Not but it, really. It's on most of their live albums. Right. For those so, that don't know, they used to open with So What and close with Bread Fan for a long time. And during the last like five years, they would open with Bread Fan. 
So it, it, it's even recent. No Leaf Clover. Okay, cool. You know, that that's neat. Frantic. Okay, cool. Great. That, that, they fucked I, up the opening, by the way. Like, they had to restart it after they fucked it up. It was great. Yeah, they don't play that much. I like Frantic. Uh, and then we get on to The Day That Never Comes. That's a great choice from Death Magnetic. I, there are others I would have preferred, but I also really like Death Magnetic, I think, more than most people. But that's a good choice. Then we get into Spit Out the Bone, which not a fan of that one. Uh, Unbelievable. It's the best song on that album, Hardwired, by a mile. The right, best well, song. We, we can, we can I, I want to tell you this. Things. So a couple of things. I have to riff a little bit on this song. Go ahead. I had a feeling, an inkling, looking at the clock and knowing that Kurt had to run across town to play his other gig. They were not going to do an encore. They hadn't brought out any guests. And I... I'm getting between COVID and my anxiety with people. I don't want to be stuck in the crowd and not getting out of a place and worried about getting home. Um, so during spit out the bone at like halfway through the song, we started to break for it. So we get out of the, you know, out of the arena and thank you. Good night. And then it's silent. So we know we didn't fuck up and we ran for the Hills. Um, spit out the bone is the best song on Hardwired. Historically, the last song on a Metallica record usually points in the direction of the next one. Maybe not anymore because they're not making records one after another anymore. Um, Spit Out the Bone's incredible. I'm so glad I got to hear it live again. They definitely played it a couple of times when I saw them previously. It, you know, uh, it would have been cool to hear that because I didn't hear that when I saw them. 16 songs, a few from each album, Nothing from Lulu, thumbs up. Not you know, if you're counting garage, not the bread fan. Anyway, uh, a little bit from every album. I really was blown away by between Fixer and honestly spit out the bone and trapped under ice and the full performance of Orion and the full performance of Sanitarium, which is a song I grew up performing and playing as a teenager, and other things they played that I really liked. I thought it was a fantastic show. Frantic is just personally, I don't like that album, but I can't lie. It's a pretty decent song and the people seem to love it. I like those songs live. I don't like them on the album. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't think that whole album works. But anyway, I'm just really no, that's quickly. Fair. That's fair. I'm going to give you the two minute review of the rest of my night after that show. Uh, hard to get an Uber out of a place where 20,000 people just got out of or 16,000 people. But I managed to get an Uber, drop my friend off and take another Uber further across town to the Fillmore, the famous Fillmore or the Fillmore West, as it used to be called. Uh, it is a historic, wonderful, great venue. I had never been. I didn't I know it was there. still there. Still there, still showing shows every day. Uh, the whole place is like a museum of rock and roll. If you ever come out here, you have to go to any show just to go walk around in there for a minute. Um, there were many metal celebrities in the room. Obviously, Kirk and Rob went right to the gig from the arena. The other bands opened, including Hetfield's son, uh, Caster and Bastardane was one of the openers. Another opener that Metallica handpicked as, uh, I forget the name of, but, um, all the people come from the show, busloads of people. The film only holds, you know, I don't know, not even a thousand people, probably 500, 600 people, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Uh, they wait for everybody to get in. So I scoot across town, takes me maybe an hour to go between shows. 
haven't missed the wedding band, which I bought tickets to see. They were immediately sold out. The wedding band is Kurt Kamet's covers band that started as a wedding band for a rich person that wanted them to play a wedding and now is a band that plays gigs. Um, we all get online. They check Vax cards. We get in the venue very quickly. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's a pretty amazing night. I get a beer. I get a little bit of wedding band merch, including some commemorative picks in a tin. And uh, Whitfield Crane is hanging out because he sings with the wedding band, Whitfield Crane of Ugly Kid Joe and formerly Life of Agony and other bands. Uh, Kurt Hammett's band is made up of Robert Trujillo, Mark Asageda of Death Angel, Doc Coyle of God Forbid, and a horn section and some other people. So two lead singers, two guitar players, sometimes three, Rob Trujillo on bass. They're all wearing track suits. It was really funny. And a lot of people, you know, like I know the news reported it as like Kurt Hammett and Rob Trujillo's heavy metal band that does covers. But really, the majority of their set list is not rock and metal. It's funk and R&B songs from the 70s and 80s. So they played Jungle Boogie by Cool and the Gang, and they played Word Up by Cameo, and somebody next to me is like, isn't this a corn song? Are they covering corn? No, asshole, they're not covering corn. I know that some people were put off by the soul and funk and R&B of it all, but like they did it wonderfully. And then they played, you know, War Pigs and Back in Black and, you know, whatever. So like there was some great stuff. Uh, heaven and hell that show san francisco does not have late night concerts so this show started at like one the beer was cut off at 10 to 2 and the show they did two sets and i somehow stayed for the whole second set and left during the last notes of the, the final song heaven and hell which i do not need to hear another band cover heaven and hell ever again um but anyway I stayed till the very end. I got an Uber home. I passed the fuck out. I woke up at 9.30 in the morning and went to the Metallica Film Festival at the Kabuki AMC, which was a rock and metal venue and the same stage of the main theater of the Kabuki where we saw Metallica films all afternoon is where Metallica and other bands played in the 80s. Crazy shit. Crazy shit. And then I ended up going to the Metallica Ross Halfin photo gallery, which wasn't set up really great, but the photos were great. Didn't do the book signing, no money. Uh, and then I went to see Spider-Man, also on no sleep. And then I slept. I finally slept like all day Sunday. And then I got a last minute free ticket to go Sunday night because my life is, as much as I think sometimes my life is shit, my life is really blessed and charmed. And I don't throw those words around often. I, I'm going to take a quick break and let you talk for a second while I have to go get another beer. Oh, well, I want another beer, but go ahead. I will uh, talk for a minute because I like my own voice. So now we are moving. I can keep these headphones on and listen. Go ahead. <laughs> wow, that was really professional. Fucking professional as shit. So we are now headed into night two of the 40th anniversary. And the great thing for me about night two is that night two was a wholly different set list. And I was looking at it today at work while I was waiting for this to happen. And I had to Google some of these songs, not many because I love Metallica, but yeah, I, I had to do a little bit of Googling to figure out what some of these songs were. And that is a testament to this 
this this band that we're talking about they were able to do in two nights 32 different songs and when you think about all of the other bands in the world i have never seen anybody do anything like that and which to me is absolutely amazing and love it to death Thank you for permitting me a beer break. I will have thoughts in a second. I am going to drink a brand new beer I've never had before. Oscar Blues Thick Haze IPA. I was I very like close to buying an Oscar Blues Old Chub just so I could go, look at this. It's delicious. But I, I know. I'm going to try to get one this week. I, I regret week. that because I bought two IPAs. Two Ooh, sixers this is actually IPAs. also pretty good. Uh, I have gotten like addicted to IPAs. I almost never got anything else. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay, let's move so, quickly because we are going not, crazy. We are not going to have time to get to the 90s. No, night two. So no expectations, free ticket, basically almost in the same spot of the arena I was in the night before, except 20 rows up. So whatever, I'm in the rafters. Don't give a fuck. Free ticket, you know. Um, I, I get in after tickets. some I get it. Yeah, so do I. I get in after some consternation because my buddy who gave me the free ticket shot the show so i look forward to seeing his photos on metal injection and um but also look for my review on ghost cult tomorrow of the whole weekend but uh by tomorrow he means eight days ago right <clears throat> so the second night right again we saw what they did the first night anything is still possible oh maybe they're gonna bring out the guest this night uh, get in the venue, band comes out on stage before the show. Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming Friday. Who was here Friday? Who, who's excited for tonight? We got a whole, a completely different set. Now we were tipped off at the film festival by one of their guys from their HQ. They were planning to do two separate set lists with no repeats. I'm sorry, absolutely <laughs> nuts. Now I will say, because I did hear you while I was getting my beer, that who what are bands that i've seen do an extensive long show and they were all bangers and it was enjoyable almost the entire way through long bands i've seen play extra long sets aerosmith three and a half hours once no page and plant two hours and 25 minutes once saw that too who are hundreds of years old at that point like ridiculous mm -hmm. um embarrassing other bands uh, I saw Megadeth play a two-hour show once. I saw Opeth play a two-hour and ten-minute show. I've seen Tool play two and a half hours one time. I don't know why but they were here. We so have struggling. Metallica playing two two and a half hour sets in a weekend that are wholly yeah. different. It's like a cover basically band. two hours. Yeah, basically two hours each. Um, they did cut it a, like I've seen. You know, they actually have been playing these festivals where they haven't played this long all year. A couple of headline shows where they would do the two hours, but mostly, and at the secret show, they only played an hour and a half. At most of these shows, they've been playing an hour and a half an hour. So once again, opening collage, it's a long way to the top. Ecstasy of gold, this time with Tom Morello instead of Momoa. And now... Man, Tom Morello knows some people. He... That dude has like 80 podcasts on Sirius XM, 80 radio shows, and they're all fucking great. So we hear a very familiar snare drum sound and not a shitty one. Uh, real quick, fuck it. Uh, for the first time, 
third beer because we are really going on. Is this a chub beer or? No, this is a squatters double IPA, uh, pink for cancer. We kind of started late because we were having technical issues then and nobody knows about it except us. So like technically we haven't been recording that long. We just started. Oh no, we have. We are now at an hour and 15 minutes. Well, damn. All right. And we st- All we right. still have two bits to go basically. All right, pal. So the familiar drum intro begins and maybe I'll let you name the songs and then I'll just comment so we go faster. But they open with Hardwired to self-destruct. Love that which song, awesome. which, I mean, that song is a great nod to their past and an eye to the future. Love that song. If you don't like that song, you probably don't like Metallica. Very true. Uh, with, with Hardwired to self-destruct, there's not a whole lot of deep cuts that they can really go to because they basically they have played that fucker all the way through for the past five years and just really rammed it and reamed it and licked it and called it a called it a day so no complaints there none now we move on to the end of the line a great track off of death magnetic which i prefer death magnetic to hardwired because of one reason and that's kirk's guitar riffs are on that record and they're not on hardwired riffs and solos all over all over death magnetic i'm gonna say death magnetic is and there's audio issues with that album. We know it's not on vinyl. Vinyl. Not if you get one of the later vinyl presses. Oh, maybe I'll try to get a later vinyl press and I'll have you direct me to one I can get. Um, Death Magnetic is almost underrated. It's so good. And really they could have played almost anything from this album and I would have been excited, but to play the end of the line, which perfectly thematically nice, perfectly and thematically goes perfectly with hardwired. It's, you know, works thematically. Oh, that's dope. Showing off. Always End of the line is great. James crushed it vocally. Seems to be like one of his favorites. They have not played that song in 10 years since the Hardwired debut concert when they played it. When when they when they got to Hardwired, they kind of gave up on Death Magnetic. They kind of totally. pulled they kind of pulled that old old timey band kind of thing where each album, you know, they play their new album and they play their classics and the last new album, fuck it. They didn't pull the Iron Maiden thing, which Iron Maiden doesn't, you know, give up on their records at that so quickly. Which was one of my complaints about when I saw them is we got basically half the black album and nothing off Death Magnetic and nothing off Load, but you know, whatever. Moving on, we go to Dirty Window, which is one of the songs I was talking about, mm-hmm. where I have no recollection of this song. I cannot place it. I had to I, I figured it was off St. Anger because I never listened to St. Anger because St. Anger. Sucks, sucks ass it's got great songwriting no, and just it yes it does i'm gonna i'll go to my I'll, i will go to my grave that those are good songs recorded by morons look a if good you gave, so, a good so if you have a bunch of ideas and you don't know how to make them in the cohesive song forcing them into cohesive songs is a bad idea Right, especially for masters of the craft. If you gave the, if you gave the fur lease to a drunk hobo, it would come out like Santa Hanger. Yeah, and as a I person blame Bob Rock. and as a person who's gotten drunk with hobos, I know, like literal I. literal hobos. I'll tell the story on the podcast one of these days. Not this today. song sucked. It was their first time playing it in exactly ten years. I still don't care. It sucks. Uh, All right. Well, you know, moving on with the suckness, we now we now head into "I Disappear." "I Disappear" is a great track. If you watch the video, 
on your television, not through your stereo. So where you don't really hear it so good. You're like, oh, wow, new Metallica, because it's been a minute. But the song is not that great. They played it, which is awesome. But don't do that again. Please. There was an in, there was an intro tape. They did play the music video on the screens, which I had remembered was like, oh, this is a Mission Impossible 2 thing. That's what this is. Um, Dear Metallica, you can't write quickly. Don't write for soundtracks. Yeah, this, uh, it sucked. It sucks. These two songs were a definite dead spot in the night. Then it took off epically in a much better way. Then we head into I Dis- <laughs> or Am I Evil? which we all know Am I Evil. Tell me, was it the whole, it was the whole song, right? It was the whole version. Which is like the first 78 time minutes long. <laughs> it is the very long original version that's nine minutes long. Well, uh, it has a three-minute guitar solo, which has yeah, four notes for three minutes. It's got a big, long break and a very fast, riffy, thrash part. The first time they played it live since August 10th, 2013, and they... Oh, sorry, since uh, they have played all of Am I Evil for the first time all the way through since the 30th anniversary concerts. Right. Ten and they years didn't, earlier. And for the 20 years before that, they didn't play the whole thing. They played the first, no. they played first verse, second, right. first chorus, second verse, second chorus, and then went, well, that's it. We don't need all eight minutes of this. And right. moved on. Kind of like uh, uh, Master of Puppets. Then we go on to Memory Remains, which is a great song, unequivocally the best song on reload there, i there, agree there, there's no there, there's no debating that however of course because it's one of the greatest songs on reload we've all heard it they play it all the time it is you know like spine tingling and i don't throw that word around to hear it's, the entire audience sing the ending acapella. agreed, agreed. For like five fucking minutes everybody was la 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 everybody and it that has like that riff that I, I can't do it because I'm, I'm drinking and we're the corrosion and conformity riff. That whole album is yeah. COC riffs. And, but I mean, that's the kind of riff where you can hear the fingers touching the wood of the fretboard, which is kind of which is how I always wanted to do my riffs. That feel, that sound. Um, that was, I mean. That's easy to do, but it's not easy to do and make the riff good. It's what? arguably James's best, one of his best vocal performances ever. Like, it's such a sweet spot for his range, his deep range, that he really ought to go there more in the next album, especially as he gets older. And he really can't yelp up to these high notes like he thinks he can. He's not John Bush who can yell to a note and hit it. Uh, yeah, sorry. That's the weird thing about James as he's gotten older is he started singing in a higher key rather than a lower key but they yeah. tuned down. It, it's a weird thing. Let's not get into that. Uh, moving on, we get into Fuel. Love Fuel. Dude, seriously, fuck. Come on, man. I've seen you three times and you played it at two shows. They play it every time. They did the fire in the same predictable, you know, yeah, give me it, fuel, it, give me fire, give me jabba da 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 It's like cool. Every time the I like same it. way. Look, it's cool. I love it. However, this is not a show for that. Yeah, I could have left it out. Could have played a different songs. There are a few good songs on those records I could have went to. Look, um, Load and Reload, as I discussed in the Metallica series, go back and listen, makes a great 60-minute record. However, it is 160 minutes long. So, uh, speaking of which, <laughs> now we go on to Bleeding Me, which is the best song on Load, not named 2x4. 
far and away my favorite song from Load or Reload. Not named two by four. First performance of the song in 10 years since the anniversary shows. And the, and this is another song they don't always play all of. Sometimes they'll cut it off short and do nothing See, else matters. Now here I've got mixed emotions. I love this song. However, I have seen it more than once. So it just makes it a little bit questionable. It's, it's been a while questionable. Well, now we get into... I will, I, can, I, can I just interject for a second and say that as much as I also love the song, so it was very powerful to me, Jane seemed to personally be really animated and ad-libbing and extraing this song. Okay, and at okay. the very end of it, he said, I don't know about you, but this was really cathartic for me to play that song. And he mm-hmm. like was very overcome for a second. I thought he might cry. He was okay, like okay. feeling it. Also, like, can I say it was epic, dude. that is Kirk's best solo. One of his best. No, sure. that is his best solo. It is, it's the one that has the best feel, the best technique, and the least amount of wah-wah. Uh, moving on to Wasting My Hate. I love that they're playing a song that they don't normally play, oh, ever. However, it's not a song to play in front of audiences. So, yeah. Not a song I cared for. A lot of people seem super jazzed to hear like, oh, dude. And I was like, oh, dude, why? But okay. I, I would have been like, oh, dude, it's not Enter Sandman. Oh, dude, well, it's not Unforgiven. Let's right. let's see what. However, I mean, I mean, I'm going to say goes. this. They, I'm going to say this. They missed an opportunity right here, where they could have did Unforgiven three, two, and one in a row, and they didn't do it. Oh, so they probably never will. But that no, was their that would be the that'd be the wrong way. Well, well, if they were going backwards. It'd be perfect. No, it would. I would do it back. I would do way. it backwards. No, you no no. <clears throat> what the fuck? Well, when would you do it? You couldn't do it the other week. Why couldn't you do it the other day? I guess you could have did it Friday. Anyway, so the memory memory remains, fuel, bleeding me, wasting my hate. And then into the Black Album, and I'm going to say, I I love the Black Album. I saw them do the entire Black Album the last time I saw them. Grateful they did not play that much of the Black Album because I'm kind of Black Albumed out as great as it is. I think all of us who have been fans for a long time are sick of it. You know, we get routinely four to six Black Album tracks every show. <clears throat> and look, I get it. I get it. it, it it's their dark side of the moon. So they got to really pump. They, gotta, they really got to pump the holy living. Fuck Is it out. really their wall, though? No, it's not. That's the thing. The wall's better. I know the wall's better, but it's their wall. Anyway. Moving on. Um, Let's skip those so two. Un- unforgi- Unforgiven. Unforgiven, Unforgiven. Great job. Enter Sandman didn't need it, but I understand why they have to play it. No, they you don't. You know, every, every time they play Enter Sandman, an angel gets his wings or something. Um, every time they play Enter Sandman, like 50 angels get their wings. Merciful, mercifully, it was the only two Black Album songs in the whole night. Uh, so I'm really not going to complain. You know, uh, I, I'm just gonna throw out the rest of this, the, the rest of these tracks. Well, hold on. I'm gonna okay. say at this point, I looked at the watch at the phone, and I said, "There's like 45 minutes left for them to cover their most important four albums, and those songs are all six to eight minutes, nine minutes long. How many? What are they gonna play?" So I'll now let you 
Uh, harvester, master, fade, whip, seek. Vanilla, vanilla, French vanilla, vanilla. So great, but like the, Harvester of Sorrow is a banger. It is, but and, they've played it, it the every show. It was the only, they've every played show. it every show they, since 1986. No, they definitely Eight. took a very long break and not played it most of the tw- aughts and the tens. They really didn't play it for a long time. All and right. now they brought it back lately because they've been doing the Black Album, but they really, they haven't played a lot of that. So I'm going to say it's a great song. It's one of the best songs. Well, and it's the there's... only song that you could have played, Dyer's Eve. I mean, there's other songs you could have played that they didn't do. Um, I think it's great that they did that as the Injustice song. Master Puppet's greatest thrash song ever, greatest riff ever. Agreed. No, never going to complain. And they played the full version, never going to complain about it. Okay, Fade to Black, fair. one of the greatest songs of all time, even though they stole the final riff from Diamond Head, no problem. Did Kirk use the 59 Les Paul? He played mostly this entire show with his gold Les Paul. Oh, the greenie? The gold the 59? top. The gold top. Wait, the gold Almost, top or the, or the lemon the top? The gold. He played the lemon on Friday. He played the gold on Sunday and at the Okay, Lady so he played greenie on Friday and not Sunday. Yeah. He also had like a weird greenie. Yeah, I think he might have also had the greenie on on uh, Friday at the wedding band show too. Um, Whiplash. Okay, again, it freaks me the fuck out that he tours that shit. Yeah, I wouldn't. T- I wouldn't play. They bring that shit out of the house. No. Um, so fade to black. Amazing. True. No complaints. I know. You know. Oh yes, we hear it every show. Whiplash. You don't hear every show. And they did play it Anymore. at the secret show as the opener. So they nice. have moved that song around in their set a while. And I and they also played it, I think they played it at Aftershock also, but I have to double check the set list. And so I'm going to tell you, man, Lars killed these fucking drums at this show. He killed it this weekend. Whiplash is one of those awesome motorhead beats that he ripped off. And he play, you know, he's sixty years old, and he's kind of degrading physically and musically. Okay, one, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna throw this out there. Rocked it, dude. Do not Mm. yell at somebody for ripping off their heroes. No, never. But I'm just saying. Hear, hear me. Let me finish the statement. Don't yell at somebody for ripping off their heroes on their first record. Okay. Fourth, third record. Yeah, that's fine. Don't do that. First, no, totally steal it. We come to seek and destroy, and he's like, "It's the last song of the night." And I stand up. I was already standing. Uh, I'm also going to say the crowd was a little more loosey goosey on Sunday and wild, and there was a definite girl a few rows away from me, super duper high on drugs, not in a good way. I was kind of worried about her. Then she like passed out for more than half the set list, literally slumped over in her chair, drooling, while her boyfriend was raging. Then she perked up again and danced again. I moved to get away from them. And she got up near me and started dancing, trying to get my attention like a child. And I just fucking nothing to her. I ignored her. And um, last song of the night is Seek and Destroy. And I go for the exits because I'm like, you know what? They're not bringing out any guests. I'll hover near an opening and see if they bring out anybody. And then I'll run back in. I ran for the exits. They played Seek and Destroy. Thank you. Good night. Took a bow. Nobody was, they didn't bring anybody out. I headed for the door. I jumped on a bus toward my house and I got an Uber the rest of the way home and I was home in 25 minutes from the show, which was fucking amazing. Here's how you know we're old. He told a commuting story and I was happy. Yes. (laughs) 
So it was now, an incredible weekend, an incredible time. I will never forget it. I have not seen Metallica four times in one year, probably since 1996 or seven. I definitely hadn't seen him three times in a year since 98 or 99 or 2000. So, I mean, like I got a, a, a plethora of Metallica now into my system this year. I'm not regretting a single moment of it. Even I disappear and frantic. And uh, the song I can't remember that they played on the same show we just talked about. Shitty Window or whatever the fuck it's called. Shitty and, Window's uh, fine. Let's, okay, real quick, because I know you are verbose as fuck. So stop it. I'm trying to chug this beer to slow myself down. Go ahead. Okay, chug the beer. We're going to move on to, well, the as we had discussed earlier today, we were going to do Metallica first and then do figure out how many best songs of the 90s. We barely have time. We're going to go through 10 anyway. So, okay. as of Rolling Stone magazine, top 10, number 10, TLC, no scrubs. Fuck that shit. Oh, Thoughts? I like uh, rest, rest uh, left eye. Uh, I have a story that is private, and so fuck it. Uh, number nine. <laughs> Liz Fair, fucking run. I don't even know it. Liz Fair, exit in Guyville. I saw Liz Fair two years ago, open for Blondie in Brooklyn. And she was like, it took me 30 years of a career in alternative rock to finally get a free pair of Vans. I've been jumping up and down in high heels and my knees and ankles are shot. I was like, dude, rock on. She was fantastic. I don't remember that particular song, but I know her other stuff. I did purchase that album on CD for my wife while we were driving through West Virginia in uh, 2018. Okay. Don't ever stop in West Virginia ever again. Go ahead. We, we did twice. I don't recommend it. Uh, pulp, Common People, I got no fucking clue. Are these singles? Like, what are these the top 10 singles or albums? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Single something. I don't know. <laughs> well, that would help color in the story, buddy. I looked pulp up top 10 a- songs of the, I looked so up pulp- top songs of the 90s. Pulp is a Britpop band from that Britpop sort of oasis, blur, uh, corner shop, uh, you know, those bands. So their big single is Park Life, and Jarvis Cocker is the front man of Pulp. Mm. He's a pretty good singer. Uh, I don't remember that rest of that album at all. Fair enough. Moving on. Missy, Misdemeanor, Elliot, The Rain, Super Duper Fly. Uh, I will admit to hating Missy Elliott irrationally. So I know nothing. She's a pretty good producer. She, I, I always thought she was good, not great. I know that she's, I'm not a huge hip hop aficionado past the late 80s and early 90s, but you know, she's solid. She, I love visually, she's stunning and her videos were always incredible. I don't know. I always thought it was like a little more sizzle than, you know, steak. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. It's, it's, it's a lot less run DMC than it is. I mean, I, I felt like late 90s hip-hop and mid-90s hip-hop and early aughts hip-hop was very much, it was a lot more, like you said, a lot more sizzle than steak. They're not saying anything other than look at me. That was how I saw it. Okay. Ah, moving on. Number six, Pavement, Gold Sounds. I would, love is, to get yeah. to a re- I would love to get to a song that I have strong feelings about. Pavement is a great alternative rock band. Gold Sounds is, takes, uh, is also the name of a club in New York City that took their name from this uh, record. Um, great alternative rock band, 120 minutes in their prime type of band. 
Yeah, I know Pavement, but I don't remember them real well. My 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 best friend in high school is a big fan. Are we going in descending order from like ninety nine to two to ninety? No, we're just we're we're just taking you know ten to ten to one. Randoming. We're just randoming this shit. Number five. Now we're gonna drop a bomb. Doctor Dre and Snoop ain't nothing but a G thing. So so it is the singles. And now if number four is not real Compton City G's, fuck this list. I'm just gonna stop and say it's like this and like that and like this and. Go Look, ahead. I got a pocket full of homies that my rubbers do too. Fair enough. Moving on. Uh, track four. It's not uh, easy. Uh, Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill. I don't know Bikini Kill. Bikini Kill is one of the greatest bands ever. They preceded all of the Riot Girl phenomenon. They were the first Riot Girl. I know. They, they, were, they were Riot Girl Zero. Directly influential on Nirvana beside Melvin's uh, they they are playing a gig next year in Oakland. I will fucking be there. Kathleen Hanna, married to a Beastie Boy, still. There's an incredible documentary on Bikini Kill and Kathleen Hanna. I cannot tell you it. Uh, go stop what you're doing after listening to this podcast. Rent this fucking thing and watch it. It is magnificent. After, okay, uh, number three of the nineties. Notorious B.I.G. with Mason Puff Daddy. Mo Money, Mo Problems. Not my favorite Biggie song, but it was a great video. Look, I, in the late 90s, I was in in an anti-hip-hop phase. So I missed it. I missed it all. Puffy sucks. End of story. Go ahead. Biggie was great. Mason, not so much. All right. Number two. Oh, fuck this. Oh, wait, wait. Hang on. Black Street, no diggity. I read that Dude. as Backstreet. I read it as Backstreet Boys. I'm sorry. Black Street is incredible. I had this album. Uh, they have another song called Fix, which features Slash on the guitar and no diggity. Uh, you know, Black Street is the mastermind of Teddy Riley, famous for producing Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. He invented an entire sound of hip hop R&B in the 90s. Basically, what we call new Jack Swing, Teddy Riley invented it. So Belle Biv DeVoe, Boys to Men, Blackstreet, and a lot of pre sort of this hybrid of R&B and rap, Mary J. Blige's albums, unfortunately produced by Puffy, but still great stuff. Blackstreet's sick, kind of like the great Great, great vocals of like a boys to men, but the production value of like incredible hip hop. Great shit. Okay. Last track. Obviously, name it. Black or White, Michael Jackson. What the fuck? Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Nailed it. Never mind. You know, Is it's it a the great... song or the album? Song. Okay. Never mind. It's a, it, no, never mind. It's not a song. It smells like Teen Spirit. Great it smells song. Like teen Spirit. It it basically embodied the '90s for 18 months. Whatever. Uh, we only. I look. I I regret this. I wish I hadn't mentioned this at the beginning. You want to uh, do the '80s now? Now we're fucked. Let's do the '80s now. All right. Hang Let's on. do the '80s or the aughts. I'll let you choose. Fuck the aughts. Oh, we do the aughts. We're not going to know anything. But you can right. do the '80s. We'll know like all of them. All right. All right. All right. We got to do this quick because I really want to stop this. I want to keep drinking, so go right ahead. 
Fair enough. Okay. All right. Hang on. Uh, this is from timeout.com. Ooh, it's got a picture of Slash, so I feel good about that. All right. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. They, they did it backwards, so I got a good look at this. All right. We're going to start with Close to Me by The Cure. I don't give two shits. You got anything to say? Go ahead and say it. Cure is always a band for the girls I was interested in that wouldn't talk to me. So, I mean, Moving no on. disrespect. Moving on. Not, not my thing. Uh, this Must Be the Place by Talking Heads. Fuck yeah. I have this on vinyl. The Talking Heads are amazing. Anybody who disagrees, I'm going to punch you in the dick. Thoughts? <laughs> I mean, one of the greatest bands ever. Bar completely. None. Completely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, number Ocho. Here we go. The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. I feel anybody like who just... anybody who speaks against this record, fuck you. If you see this video, you are watching my hometown of the bombed out Bronx, New York in the early 80s and late 70s. One of the most iconic early songs in hip hop inspired the, countless It bands. is the it, it's the beginning. It is the alpha and the omega. I feel like Planet Rock was right before this, but in terms of an, like an official rap song, this is it. I know people it, say Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang is great, but it's also kind of a joke to rap fans. It, it, look, I have held the Sugar Hill Gang, that album, in my hands multiple times. And, and I didn't love, buy it. I love old school hip hop. I love it. I love early 80s hip hop. I don't own it. If it were if it were the message by Grandmaster Flash, I would be showing it to you right now. Don't push me, cause oh, I'm close, I'm close to, to the, the edge. edge. Greatness, 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 greatness. Okay, moving on. Number seven, Modern Love, David Bowie. Not a fan. Not a fan of the Bowie. One of his weaker albums, but it was a commercial huge hit for him that did turn a whole new generation of people onto him. And he does play incredible saxophone on that album but the rest of the songs are not good oh, fair enough uh express yourself by madonna madonna is an amazing talent she may not be your cup of tea as it were however she won <laughs> she was the probably the first ex-positive celebrity she amazing voice amazing writer amazing actress i, I don't think of her as an amazing singer at all actually i think of her as like overachieving with what the voice if you look at the error she came out in in the deck is stacked against her with whitney houston and janet jackson and mariah comes in at the like by the way at the same time of this album mariah's debut is out now like the deck was stacked celine dion who i don't love but her voice is incredible and hang on know, like did you just call her vince neal I said Celine Dion. No, did you just call Madonna Vince? Neal? I didn't. She's more talented. Are, are you than Vince sure? Because what I sure. heard, what I heard was Madonna is Vince Neil. I didn't, but okay. I will say that Madonna is incredible, indelible, and eternal. She was one. All right, all right, all right, all right. Moving on. I've spent many of my potential children. I said in my earlier days. Her guest jeans. Do you see this face? It was a guest jeans ad of her naked from the. You don't just see this. Jeans. You don't. She was the first guest jeans girl. Go ahead. I'm making faces at you. Do you see the face? Live to tell is an epic masterpiece. No one cares about but me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
moving the fuck on. What songs are on that album, Vogue? I don't know. Express yourself. Uh, We're not like a prayer. This is, this is... You asked for it, but uh, no, I did not. Seventies next. Go ahead. Going off the rails on this crazy. Podcast. I will mute the fuck out of you. I won't. I won't. I won't. When you diss keep, you diss yourself. Go ahead. Number five, fight the power, public enemy. Yo, the greatest rap album possibly ever, especially from that era, the birth of conscious hip hop, or at least the you know explosion of it, and uh, that era of hip hop recreated social consciousness into into popular music. It was something we had lost in the eighty, the cocaine Reagan eighties. Can I can I interject a question? I'm going to ask you. A, I'm going to pose oh. a question to you and our listeners. No, you won't get mad. Trust me. I'm making the are face a, anyway. Are you a fan of Jay Z? No. Jay Z made a comment today that if they had one of those versus battles, no one could fuck with him because he's the greatest of all time. And I was like, Rakim is still alive. Chuck D is still alive. KRS One is still alive. Nas is still alive. Dude, fucking Mike D is still alive. Mike D is alive. Fuck fucking Jay-Z, dude. Like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame don't mean shit to me. Billions of dollars don't mean shit to me. He's a good businessman. He's a solid hip-hop guy, maybe. I never thought he was great. Anyway, controversial take. Go ahead. He always struck me as a guy that was popular for a minute. That, that, I mean, that, that I don't feel, aside from 99 problems, there is nothing he did that will last forever. Speaking okay. of lasting forever, segue. Uh, this segue. podcast. No, yeah, yeah. But also, segue. <laughs> uh, number four, straight out of Compton, NWA. Oh! Back when Ice-T did not vote Republican. <laughs> Boom, said it. That's all right. Ice-T is untouchable. He could vote. He could vote Republican. Wait, no, did I say T? I meant, I meant Cube. Oh, Ice Cube is voting idiot but anyway he's like, straight up he's, he's straight up maga this is the same yeah. guy that said you have the authority to kill a minority it's con i know it's con first of all he never was a street guy he was like from the burbs and he had i know none of them were except easy cube, cube is very complicated he is trying to help his his folks and i appreciate him he thinks those are the people that have the best chance to help his people and i respect that i don't respect who he's in bed with he is great he is funny he is talented he's an icon um that being said great album uh, no, uh these are these are all bangers holy shit oh i know well and the thing about that this record is cube wrote it dre produced it easy gave it cred for sure that's so, their whole career right in a nutshell and that nutshell was like nine months so all right moving on i want to dance with somebody by whitney houston no well, you already know that I am biased because I performed with Whitney Houston in high school. Jesus Christ. Listen, that's Again? not her best record. Again? That's not her best. That's okay. not her best record. Okay. That's not her best record. But you like said that the, seven the times. Ty- Whitney Houston's first three records, just talking about in the in the very competitive 80s with all the hit records. This is a Whitney fucking Houston. metal podcast. 
18 million records, 22 million records, 19 million records to start her career. 60 million records in the first five years of her career before it hit 1990. Go on with your bad self, Whitney. Rest in peace. All right, number two, beat it. Love the solo. Great song. And you know what? Great song. One of the things we talked about in the Departmental Antiquities this past week was Poison's native tongue taking a social justice stance without taking one. But you know what? Michael Jackson did it. He took one. An easy, uh, thr- an easy one, but it was a Still stand. arguably in the top five records of all time. I know, I know. All right, moving on. Purple Rain by Prince. Unfuckwithable. Prince, you know... I'm not a big Prince fan, but he is unfuckwithable. You shut your whore mouth, Nick Cameron. I understand if you're not a big fan because maybe you just don't, you know, have what, a lot of sexy. What did I just say? You're not sexy or you don't fuck a lot or you're just not a very sexual person. But like Prince is responsible for literally half the population of the world being born. All right. You, you ready to for- give it up to this man. Look, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> I just said all that. Moving on to the okay. all right, all right, all right, all right. We're gonna do the seventies now, and we're gonna regret all these. <laughs> Please After tell me the Kiss album on here. No, there's not. After the seventies, we're gonna stop this because this has gone way too long. Wait, I'm, we have ruined the next three years of New Year's shows tonight. Go and then it. we still have to announce next week, and we haven't even done that. So seventies, let's bang this bullshit out. I want to see my wife. Uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. Holy fuck. Rest in peace, BJ Thomas, who died this year. Wow, you are nicer than me. Night Fever by the Bee Gees. Not a fan. I, I Great love band, not a big fan. Can't love do Saturday Night Fever. Love, hate disco. Love, fuck you. I'm sure you. half of these are going to be disco, and I'm going to I love the I love the Bee Gees. Moving oh, on. Um, hot Stuff, Donna Summer. <laughs> yeah, Incredible. Not Ahead about of her me. time. That song is not about me. Uh, number seven, Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibb. The Jesus only... Christ. Here's what I'll say about Andy Gibb. I'm going to quote the great Bostonian comedian. Dennis Leary. Uh, Dennis Leary. Hell is Andy Gibb He's singing Shadow singing Dancing, Shadow Dancing forever. And eons. Correct. Uh, number six, the YMCA. If you've ever been to a shitty sporting event, you know why you don't want to hear this ever again. Seventh inning stretch of the Yankees game, and uh, a staple of my mother's aerobics class in the 70s and 80s that she taught. Go for it. Number five. Oh, it rhymes. Guess what it is? New York, New York. It, number five. Staying alive. Oh, Staying alive. God. I know, right? Next. Uh, Lafreak. Oh, fucking. Dude, the wedding band with Kirk Hammett played fucking Lafreak. Oh, and we brought it back to we bring it back full circle. Full circle. We brought it. The high girl voices and everything. This is Hang on, this is now a perfect circle. Ew. Uh Mm -hmm. All right, number three. You light up my life by Debbie Boone. I know it's about Jesus, but it's a good song. Uh, I Just Want to Be Your Everything by Andy Gibb. 
how did this fucking guy have two of these albums on this list? God. Hang on, hang on. Hell number, is full of Gibbs, except num- the one that's number alive. one. Number one, hear me out. How deep is your love? By the fucking Bee Gees. This, that is their best song, though. But like, this, that is a song. This a whole list is the Bee Gees. All that's I did. All I okay. So fuck the seventies. Apparently, she says no Led Zeppelin, not a fucking Who album, not ZZ Top, not Kiss. No, nothing. Not nothing. Cheap trick. I want you to want me live. No, nothing. Nothing good. I picked the worst list. You really sorry. Did. Okay, that's so okay. Okay. and on that horrible note. Holy shit, we have gone nearly two hours. So uh, uh, I apologize. Nick happy, every- Nick, happy birthday. We are happy now here. I'm very thankful for you, as I always do like a second Thanksgiving at New Year's and try to ring it, you know, circle it back to uh, my feelings and gratitude because my attitude is poor and I try to make it better. So thank you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for beer. I'm grateful for music. Bring I- us on home and tell us what we're doing next. Wait, I oh I get to do it. Okay, you do. Uh, thank you very much. I love doing this with you. I love spending time with you. I look forward to our Wednesday night chats every week. I know I hit record and I share some links on Facebook, but fuck that noise. It's all about you and my penis. Sorry, drinking. Um, wow, uh, for, Mrs. Cameron, you better get in here. She's she's not here. Uh, for the record, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say this, and I shouldn't. But accidentally, uh, Keefe saw my nipples tonight. I, I took did. off the, took off the sweatshirt, and wow, they popped out. Anywho, moving on. So, anyone who is still listening, I'm sorry. A little bit, a lot bit. I'm sorry. So next week we're going to return to our decade series, but not really because we're doing Faith No More. And if we're doing Faith No More, for me, we have to start with Introduce Yourself. Yeah, we're going to so, do the whole Faith No More first era. Introduce Yourself through Album of the Year. I don't know when that is because I stopped listening after Angel Dust. Ten, ten years, 87 to 97, basically. Okay, we're going to call it the 90s, but it's not. It's Faith No More. Um, the early days, the, the beginning era, the first right, well, time around. We, we will go with that. That is... Uh, <clears throat> it's going to have a very sad final episode, I promise you. I will say one more time, I am sorry to everyone who listened to everything I, past Metallica. I'm not. I think this is hilarious. <laughs> but I'm also <laughs> drunk. Tomorrow I'll be regretting all this. I'm going to uh, go see The Matrix hammered. You I'm going to regret this tomorrow morning when I wake up, but tomorrow when I'm eating my $50 steak, for my birthday at a new mm. steak place, I will not. And that is the Glacier Musical Podcast. It doesn't play in Peoria. Fuck Peoria.